0: Hello, and welcome to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week, we'll give you our perspective on the latest news in the industry, bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, pitching investors, and setting a fair valuation. Now, why would we take on such a challenge? Well, since we launched our cannabis-focused business accelerator and venture fund in 2013, we've made over 110 investments into 90 companies in the legal cannabis industry. And we want to share our experiences and learnings with you. So join us every week as we take a deeper look into the legal cannabis industry and uncover the nuances and subtlety of starting up and investing in cannabis.
1: hello everybody and welcome back to the canopy boulder cannabis business podcast today i am chatting with cyrus Ferudi who is the ceo of altus central um so he has been in the industry for a while in a, in a lot of different capacities um altus is uh, a bit of a overall overarching organization and they have uh, many different sort of both brands um and other things going on so they've got products themselves, as well as are kind of managing a few different MSOs. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about MSOs and investment and sort of what's going on in the space. Um, you know, what what are some of the challenges maybe in licensed versus non-licensed businesses? Um, what are some of the things that investors should know about um, when looking at MSOs versus Uh, other uh, non-licensed businesses so um, we're going to jump right into that I hope you enjoy it I'm not going to talk any longer so that we can actually get to the interview and uh, I hope you enjoy it a lot thanks Cyrus, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate having you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, I think let, let's jump into sort of who you are, what you do and how long you've been doing that.
2: Sure. So, um, I got into cannabis, I guess in 2014, uh, through Nevada's original medical marijuana process. So, um, I'm a technology entrepreneur by trade um, and being a, an entrepreneur and someone who is opportunistic I uh, saw that program kind of coming, coming down the pipe and it was one of the first programs in the country um, that was going to do a limited licensing kind of uh, merit-based application process so uh, you know uh, a lot of the states that have come on recently um, have employed that model so mm-hmm. I think people are more familiar with it now but that was the very first one um, to do that. And at the time, I had just exited a company and um, was kind of looking for my next thing. So I was well positioned uh, to put together a team and, and had some local business connections in, in the Las Vegas area anyway. Um, so so went after those licenses and was successful in winning a cultivation and production license in the, in the original medical process out there in Vegas. Um, at about that time, um, I moved back to the Boulder area for personal reasons, and was networking and uh, trying to raise money uh, for the licenses I had just won. Mm-hmm. You know, I was gonna go do a fundraise and, and spin up the business. Um, when I met um, a gentleman named Andy Weiss here in Colorado, um, who had been in the industry in Colorado right from the very first days as well. Um, and he and I ended up uh, seeing things very similarly on how we wanted to do it, kind of attack the industry and, and build our businesses. So we partnered, um, in Nevada, um, and I joined the executive management team of Franklin Group, um, and now run what's called Altus Central, um, which is kind of a shared management layer across our various operating assets. So we have um, licenses and operations uh, in Colorado, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Ohio now. Um, And so me and my team kind of serve um, a lot of different functions, but we're we're trying our best to uh, to centralize uh, core functions, logistics, marketing, some right. sales elements, yeah. finance, things like that.
1: So. Okay, interesting. Um, so so now, right now, you're working on Altus. Um, what is, like, what does the day-to-day look like for you now?
2: It, uh, it depends and whether and we're actively pursuing a, uh, a, new, a new license. So we've recently submitted applications um, we submitted for the nevada dispensary round that just happened not too long ago uh, unfortunately weren't successful uh, but we submitted for five of those um, we submitted in new jersey recently we just submitted for a clinical uh, registrant license uh, in pennsylvania uh, we're turning in an application for maryland here in a couple of weeks okay. um, so if we're in the middle of an application process my my day looks very different than if we're not because uh, that usually is pretty consuming um, but for the most part i'm you know I'm handling uh, and working on either whether it be strategic initiatives for the various businesses, or helping the GMs manage um, whatever HR issue du jour might pop up. <laughs> um, you know, we've got a lot of employees across the kind of the various business units, so always something to deal with. Um, other than that, though, it's uh, you know a lot of uh, product strategy, marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what's the new product we're going to? Bring the market next and how are we going to do that and then partnerships
1: cool yeah so you a little bit of everything. yeah so my understanding is that altus it does a little bit of everything right i mean are you guys just doing licensed businesses or there's other businesses underneath there
2: so franklin group um as kind of the parent entity of of Everything we do uh, has some other interests. Um, So we're doing stuff on the pure CBD side. Um, We have uh, something called Altus CX, which is our CBD line. Um, Then we have something called Altus Labs, which is our kind of IP driven product development group. Um, So they're focused on partnering with the academic and scientific communities to really push the envelope um, on like the medical side. Um, And really things that are, you know, we've got a couple different products um, Topical um, and some others that I can't really talk about, uh, sure. but in various <laughs> stages of clinical trial and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, we're partnered with CU on a product. We're partnered with the Rothman Institute out of Philadelphia on a product. Um, so yeah, we do. We kind of run the gamut. We've got your traditional, you know, cultivation um, and infused product manufacturing and dispensaries on the THC side, um, and then the stuff I mentioned on, you know, on the other side of the house. And we've also got a, you know, we've got another company called Traction Rabbit. Um, which is a market intelligence uh, data kind of uh, aggregation tool. Um, and then some real estate, you know, mm-hmm. various, all these states and all of these different, um, you know, locations that we need. We inevitably got into real estate, whether yeah. we intended to or not. Right. Um, but that's a piece of the business as well.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think what's interesting and part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast was you're obviously working with kind of all of these different types of businesses that fall. Um, within this industry. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about maybe some of the unique challenges of a licensed business versus a non-licensed business Like where are those lines? What are the sort of different? Areas that you're thinking about um, based on that distinction?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the obvious one is the You know the compliance overhead um, on the regulated side of the business and the lack of that Um you know, on the non-regulated side. So all my kind of entrepreneurial endeavors historically were in non-regulated businesses, you know, technology and things like that. Um, so I didn't really have to deal with a, the compliance part. Um, and that has been extremely challenging. And I think it's something that people drastically underestimate mm. both the cost and the time that it takes and, you know, time is money. So really the overall cost, but, um, at the last MJ, MJ BizCon, for instance, I met a group um, out of Michigan that, um, you know, they were moving out of a caregiver model, and Michigan was talking about putting in Metric or one of the other um, systems and really moving to the full kind of seed to sale tracking and really, you know, layering on the compliance. Um, and it was, it was somewhat frightening how naive they were mm. about. It. I mean, they were great guys. They were positive. They had got their licenses. They were gung ho. Um, but I think these new markets that are coming on, people still have this mentality that they're going to just jump in and just pile up the cash, and it's yeah. you know it's, it's it's a great business to be. in. I mean, it's it's a good business to be in. But I think that's what I'm saying. People underestimate the true operating costs that come with that compliance. Um, yeah. It's a huge piece. I mean, if you're going to do if you're going to run your businesses correctly you're gonna spend a lot of time and a lot of money and you're inevitably gonna have problems, right? I mean, you know, we've got inspectors coming into our facilities all the time and we run a really tight ship and we take our compliance extremely seriously. Um, But there's always something, right? And the inspectors will tell you that. They've never done an inspection that they didn't find something. So then you are dealing with that and there's a whole process, you know, depending on the state. Uh, And that's another challenge with us being multi-state. It's not like we just can, learn and follow and digest and understand one set of regulations we've got to follow a different set in every single Absolutely. state so
1: do you have i mean how does that work do you have do you have different teams you have one team that needs to know all those regulations or are you spreading that out i mean it's any an interesting best question. practices
2: we, yeah well so i think you know we tried to have compliance be centralized um and it didn't really work frankly yeah. uh, i think it was too much uh, we either needed a bigger team mm-hmm. um so my team, which is the Alta Central Group, um, had a compliance officer to, you know, chief compliance officer on our, on our staff. And they were responsible for overseeing and implementing compliance-related initiatives in all the various states. Um, and it didn't, it didn't really work. Um, so we've since kind of decentralized that and put it back onto the various, the GMs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually easier because they, you know, they live it and they see it every day and, and, you know, they're up to speed when new stuff is coming out, you know, the people around town are talking about it, They're, you know, the attorneys, you've got, we've got specific attorneys that stay current, on all this stuff, and our GMs interface with them. Um, so while we thought it was a really good idea to try to centralize it, it just, it, because it's so different from state to state, it didn't really scale and it mm-hmm. wasn't really efficient um, to have somebody in a remote office trying to read regulations you know and not really living and working within those regulations um made it made a challenge sure so.
1: um interesting so you know i went i went to an investor conference not that long ago and um you know obviously we are more focused on like the ancillary side mm-hmm. the non-licensed business side um and it was interesting to me it seemed like the only thing anyone wanted to talk about was multi-state operators so i'm wondering what if you have some thoughts on sort of um in terms of investors and they're looking at different investment opportunities maybe what are some of the things to be thinking about why would you invest um, in an mso or in a licensed business over maybe a non-licensed business and maybe what's the strategy if there is a strategy in there
2: sure well i think you know i do think the msos are Gaining, you know, some economies of scale to the extent that you can. And Mm -hmm. it's very difficult, again, in this business because of the, you know, the various uh, state hurdles and and state nuances. So kind of your traditional um, business model doesn't work. Um, But I think everybody's realized that the margins are thinner in this business than we were all led to believe before when we were getting (laughs) into it. Um, And, you know, there is a lot of of redundancy um, that... That you can leverage. I guess there's 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 stuff that you build, let's say, to execute in Colorado that can easily be, you know, reused or replicated in other states, and that's pretty easy to understand, right? Branding, marketing, packaging, product, you know, product formulations, all of that stuff, um, so that the, the subsequent um, spin up, if you will, goes that much faster and is that much more cost effective to get off the ground. Um, you know, again, given those state regulated environments, you have to build the infrastructure um, in each, the physical infrastructure in each state, Um, but luckily a lot of that stuff can be leveraged. So I think, you know, and given the way the market's moving, you know, I don't think the standalone guys, um, the mom and pop shop, you know, style operators are certainly going away. I think we've all seen that. Um, and I think that trend is only going to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, seen a lot of IPOs recently, and I know of a dozen more happening, and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of consolidation taking place in the industry right now. Um, so, I, I mean, I think from an investment standpoint, the what I would recommend folks look for is people that have made and built a good established business in maybe a secondary or tertiary market um, And what I mean by that is, you know, right now, all eyes are on California, Nevada, New York, Florida, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's, and and the reason I say you should look at those as an investment standpoint is because I think those, so that, that, you know, that's kind of your tier one markets. Um, I think the secondary and tertiary markets are where we're going to see the next wave of consolidation happen, right? So these (laughs) big boys are making moves in all of those markets, but a lot of those moves have been made already. that doesn't mean they're going to stop, right? Mm-hmm. They've still got more money to spend, and they've still got you know um, bigger aspirations. Um, so I think you're either looking to invest in um, you know in an MSO that's that's kind of playing in that game, or looking to find and identify groups that have done well either within a certain state or maybe in a region um, and establish themselves, and, and it's going to make more sense for one of the big guys to come in and buy versus build. Um, oh, so I think thanks. that could, yeah. I think that could. Be a the future good way to yeah look at look at investing and then you know generating a return in, in fairly short order.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and I think in kind of in keeping with that, right, a lot has changed. Uh, I mean, we always say this industry ages in dog years, right? Um, you know, you've been around since uh, since the beginning. Um, I wonder if you have any thoughts on kind of what are some of the things that have changed that maybe you weren't expecting or um that that feel really different from when we started out that's a
2: good question um i think one of the things that that i've noticed is um and i mean this is just kind of the general sentiment that we've seen um over time is um you know just from polling numbers and like the acceptance of 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 you know specifically medical marijuana um you know that trend um has continued the way we kind of all expected it to, but maybe even faster than we thought. I think mm. these you know, these state programs, as they've come on, they've helped continue to build and, and fuel that momentum. Um, but one of the things that I, I guess maybe to answer your question in a different way, one of the things that hasn't changed, um, <laughs> that surprises me, is even given that level of support for this industry and given the amount of activity that happens, one of the things that I've noticed is when I take a step outside of this industry, most people still don't have any idea what's going on. I go to a dinner party and tell people, you know, we start a conversation. They ask me what line of work I'm in, and we start talking. You know, and I get this question all the time: Is THC is that the one that gets you high, or is it the, you know, what what is CBD again? And it's like yeah. these things that we take for granted, and we we're so because we're kind of insulated, but we live it every day, and we're like, oh, the whole world like knows what marijuana is and how it works and it's like we're on to CBN and CBG and you know all these minor cannabinoids and people are still trying to figure out what THC is so um, you know I didn't really answer your question because I think that hasn't changed but that's like surprising to me that um, you know so I do feel like in a lot of ways as much as I feel like this industry has moved if you take a step out we are still so early in the evolution of what's happening here and people talk about that but it's again it's it's easy to miss because we're all reading news yeah. feeds that you know include all this marijuana news, but yeah. the general public's not not looking at those same feeds and that same stuff. You That's know? So, so
1: true. You know, my dad always sends me these. Articles that he sees in, like, you know, USA Today on cannabis, and he thinks he's being helpful, and I appreciate it, but it's like, if it's in USA Today, I've I've already read it. Right, three years ago. Like, I (laughs) already know about it, but thank you. Um, But to that point, that's interesting, because you you do have a couple brands that you guys sort of fall underneath you. Mm -hmm. How does that – I mean, how much of that is – having to educate the consumer, right? And, and does that change across markets? Are you doing less education in California than you are in Michigan, for example?
2: It's a good, great question. Um, and actually, it was kind of the impetus behind our, we, we rebranded our entire Altus line of products, um, which is primarily pressed pills um, in various ratio, cannabinoid ratios, we've got a line of gummies under the Altus brand as well. Uh, but we went through this big rebranding about a year ago, last summer, and um, and we actually. So if you look at our products, the names of the products are what they're for, mm-hmm. um, and there's a fine line there because the FDA's got some rules around you know making claims. Sure. And we've always been very sensitive about that. We don't want to make claims unless we can back it up with real data and things. So. Um, but you know, so we, we, we call our sativa product for finding your extrovert. You know, mm-hmm. we have a ratio product that we've done research on um, that was formulated for anxiety and it's called for when you're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's big on the front of the box. Um, and the idea is to allow the product to kind of talk to the customer because we found, and I think a lot of people have found this, but you've got the bud tenders, um, as kind of the gatekeepers, right? To, yep. the, to, the, to the industry, really. Um, and most people, you know, again, back to that point of, like most people don't know anything about cannabis, you know, your average person. That means the average person walking into a dispensary, most of them are first timers right. or rookies, and they're looking for guidance and they're looking for uh, for help and recommendations. Um, and in our experience, you know, butt tenders have a uh, different tolerance than your average Joe, so they're not always the best at recommending, right? Sure. And there's some very good ones out there and there are some that, that understand that not everybody's the same. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we found that butt tenders were kind of guiding people to, uh, especially like. in Colorado, what they like. Yeah, mm-hmm. something that's probably too strong for a novice user um, and or just kind of guiding them to the cheapest price per milligram of THC, right? Uh, and our products are not that, right? We're, we've got kind of, you know, we do a lot of different things with our products use, using different ingredients and different ratios and trying to, you know, we've got ultra kind of low dose stuff. Uh, we just introduced a line of uh, two milligram mints. Um, mm-hmm. But so the idea that the box on the shelf could kind of take the bud tender out of the conversation a little bit, no disrespect to the bud tenders, yeah. but so that the, you know, people can look in the case or see on the shelf and see what the, the products yeah. actually do. Um, and that's been really important. Um, yeah. And then we hold we do hold a lot of educational seminars. Um, we do that, you know, more Pennsylvania, for instance, has been a place that we've done done a lot of that. So we get a lot of, um, you know, doctors and then community folks uh, into a room, and we do we start with cannabis 101. and you know, yeah. the first slide is like, what is THC? <laughs> um, so we do do a lot of that, trying to educate the community as well.
1: It's cool. Um, okay, so you know, I think we're kind of getting to the end here, but I want to know what you, maybe what your future predictions are. What are you excited about in the space, um, and maybe where do you, where do you see us in, a, in five to ten years? I mean, honestly, I think anything could happen, but it's always fun to hear what people's predictions are.
2: Yeah, I think um, kind of as I mentioned before, I don't expect this consolidation trend to end. Um, there's still a long way to go on that. So I think we're going to continue to see consolidation, but I think one of the places that we're at least that we're betting on and where we think, you know, uh, part of this industry is going to go is, you know, we've seen, we've seen alcohol, big alcohol and big tobacco make moves into cannabis. We haven't seen big pharma make moves in, mm-hmm. in into cannabis yet. Um, and I think that's, that's coming. Cool. Um, you know, they're clearly uh, taking a different angle and a different approach and looking for products and research to get to a certain level before they jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Obviously, the tobacco and alcohol companies were playing more on the recreational side of the market. Um, but I think that's where we see this, and I think you know, we're going to see kind of a split happen in the industry mm-hmm. um, down the road, which is people that are going to, because all, all, the, all the currently medical states will eventually be rec, right? And the rec program ultimately just kind of kills the medical program. And we still have a decent one here in Colorado, but like in Nevada, for instance, we don't even sell medical product anymore, yeah. There's just not, there's yeah. not a market for it. Yeah. Um, it's the programs there and it exists, but you know, there's just no demand. Um, so I think that those kind of rec um, programs will evolve and sort of take over. And that's why I think there'll be a split. So I think the recreational kind of use of marijuana and marketing of marijuana and development of products around the recreational use of it will continue. Um, but then there's gonna, you know, the, the industry is gonna be bifurcated. And I think we're gonna see a lot more spending, and we're doing it already, and I know we're not the only ones, there's a lot of groups out there, um, but really focusing on the science and the medicine side. Um, and GW's obviously been doing this from yeah. day one, uh, but there's a long way to go there, right? Yeah. A lot of their stuff. Um, so, so yeah, that's where I see it. I mean, I think, and we're trying to position, you know, the, the labs group that I mentioned that we have is kind of focused on that, um, and we're kind of doubling down on that that pursuit and that side of the business.
1: And cool that's where we see it yeah. um okay cool well yeah i think that's it thank you thank you so much for good. joining us and um if people want to find your products i mean can can we tell them where they are
2: yeah altusmade.com a-l-t-u-s-m-a-d-e.com okay check us out there cool. or luckyedibles.com that's our other brand okay Either cool one.
1: yeah thanks so much um all right well that's it thanks everybody for joining us um Make sure you write us a review, rate us so that other people can find our content, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.
0: Now for the disclaimers. Uh, Please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.